Here's Pastor Ed with a brief preview of today's edition of Voice of Faith. God's not a fatalist. He's not trying to get you something to do that you don't want to do, something that's going to hurt you. No, He's going to ask you to do something that you were made for. He's going to ask you to do something that He created you to do from the very beginning of time. And your contribution to the human race will be an incredible contribution. It will be a contribution that will impact untold hundreds and hundreds of souls. Let's be honest. Truly praying and meaning thy will be done is a little scary. Are we really ready for God to tell us what his will is? What if he sends us somewhere dangerous? Pastor Ed's reassurance in today's message is that God has something unique for each of us to do. He knows each one of us and knows where our impact will be the greatest. We don't have to fear asking for his will to be done because he's already equipped us to carry it out. Let's join Pastor Ed in the book of Romans, chapter 3, verse 10, for his continuing study entitled, Thy Will Be Done. In Romans, chapter 3, verses 10 to 12, it tells us that there's no one who understands, no one who seeks after God. Paul the Apostle, in using those verses, is building an argument saying that both Jew and Gentile, both religious and non-religious, all are in rebellion against God. All men are sinners. We're born with a rebellious heart. Mothers, you know that. That little child. James Dobson tells us before that child is just very old at all, He has a will and tries to exert it on everything that's around him. Why is it that child sitting in your lap in church cries? Now, the child can't stand on its own, but it gets you to stand up, and as soon as you're standing up, it stops crying. And then when you sit down, it knows it. It starts crying again. Why is it that that, the child starts just crying until you go out into the narthex? And then it stops crying because it's gotten where it wants to go. There's something about man's rebellious will. I heard a story about a little girl. She was in the car with her parent. And the parent said, sit down. She was standing up. And the girl said, no. Sit down. No. Sit down now. Reluctantly, she sits down, puts her safety belt on turns to her parent and says, I may be sitting down on the outside, but I'm standing up on the inside. (laughs) Well, that's a picture of our fallen will, our sin that's impacted our lives, that rebellious nature where we want to exalt our own volition. It starts from childhood and it continues all through our life. Frank Sinatra could speak for the whole human race when he sang, I did it my way. That was his theme song. And so many people want to say, I did it my way. C.S. Lewis says this, and it's insightful. There are only two kinds of people in the end. Those who say to God, thy will be done. And those to whom God says in the end, thy will be done. All that are in hell, choose it. 
God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to eternal life. When we pray, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, we're asking that the will of God be done, and that will is that men and women will come to repentance, that men and women will receive that great love gift of salvation that's in Jesus Christ. God is not willing that any of us should perish. So, rebellion. Now, that second word, relinquish. Our will must relinquish to God's will. Remember Jesus in the garden? The cross before him? He prayed in agony, not my will, but thy will. He practiced the prayer he taught to his disciples. Do you find yourself in a garden this morning? Do you find yourself at some crossroads where you have set your own purposes, your own will, and God is saying to you, there in that garden, will you submit to me? Now, it was no passive submission with Jesus. It was active. Jesus, in preparation for the passion, does not just resign or capitulate. He goes out to meet the one who would betray him. He goes out with strength and fortitude and energy to face everything that was before him. And triumphantly, he surrendered his will to the Father's will, and he walks in the strength of the Father. See, when we pray, thy will be done, we could pray it a lot of different ways. Some people pray it this way clenched fist, grinding teeth, thy will be done. Other people, slumped head, slumped shoulders, thy will be done. Others, almost as though they had just lost a fight, thy will be done. As if they couldn't fight anymore and God's too big for them and that's not the way we should pray thy will be done because you're praying to a father who loves you you're praying to one who wants the very best for you you're praying to a God who's concerned about your future you're praying to someone who has watched over you since you were in your mother's womb and who's planned out all of your days. So with great confidence and assurance, thy will be done. The difficulty at times is the bondage of the will, the battle of the will. Romans chapter 7 describes this so aptly. Paul the apostle talks about the inner battle and inner struggle that he had. The things I want to do, I don't do. The things that I don't want to do, that's what I do. And, and he talks about this tremendous warfare on the inside. See, unless Jesus frees me, unless Jesus liberates me, unless I, through the power of the Spirit, mortify the deeds of the flesh, I can't overcome that broken fallen will that theologians say the bondage of the will 
But thanks be to God, he frees me. There was a man in church, and they were singing the Lord's Prayer. And suddenly everybody turned around in front of him, and they stared at him in amazement. And he realized what he had done. He had sang when they sang the Lord's Prayer. My kingdom come, my will be done. With all of the gusto and joy he could, he sang it that way. How many times do we go to God in prayer and we really don't mean thy will be done? Ah, we'd like God to have a list of options for us. A, B, C. What scenario do you like? Or we'd like to... Come now, let us reason together, God. Not over our sins, but over his divine will. Jesus taught us that there must be relinquishment when we say, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What we're saying is, God, free me from the bondage of self. Free me from the bondage of the big eye, where I must be centered. Now, there's a blessing of a surrendered will. In Thessalonians, it tells us God's will for us is our sanctification. Your greatest problems in life were the result of your own self-will and self-determination and your own willfulness. If you look back on the history of your life, the story of your life, the greatest problems were problems that you brought about by saying, my will be done, my kingdom come. When we submit to God and surrender to God, we are lifted up. See, man longs for fulfillment. Now, given an opportunity, USA Today, rather, asked the question, people given an opportunity, if they could ask God any one question... What would they ask them? And in this survey, do you know what the top question was? 34% would ask God the question this. God, why am I here? 34%. God, why am I here? That is answered when we say, thy will be done. For God created us for a purpose, for a reason. And when we submit our wills to his will, when we come with the gift of our free will and surrender it to God and say, Oh, Lord, I, I want to do your will. It's not that our will is obliterated. It's put in harmony with his will. Suddenly, God's purpose, God's plan, God's work is done in through us. A man had a dream. And in his dream, he was granted an interview with God. I want to read to you what he said about this interview with God. He said, I dreamed I had an interview with God. Come in, God said. So uh, you would like to interview me? If you have the time, I said. God smiled and said, my time is eternity. And it's enough to do everything. What questions do you have in mind to ask me? And the man asked, what surprises you most about mankind? And here was the answer in his dream. God answered that they get bored of being children, 
are in a rush to grow up and then long to be children again. That they lose their health to make money and then lose their money to restore their health. That by thinking anxiously about the future, they forget the present, such that they live neither in the present nor the future. That they live as if they will never die, and they die as if they had never lived. When we say to God, Thy will be done, we begin to live. Life becomes an adventure. Our Father takes us by the hand, and He leads us through the path that he has chosen for us. And life becomes a series of adventures with God. My third point, the third R. Our will must respond to do God's will. Our will must respond to do God's will. If we're ever going to really be serious and get anywhere in our prayers... We must determine not just to know the will of God, but to do the will of God. And God's will is is revealed in His Word. It's written in Scriptures. The Spirit of God directs us as general revelation. There's specific revelation for us as individuals. But God is interested in guiding and directing us. You know, people get in a crisis, in an emergency. All of a sudden, they don't know what to do. If they had been listening to God all along the way, if they had been following God's revelation all along the way, the other things would come very, very easy. Sometimes we're like the man who ran in. He was a minister. He saw his wife and said, Honey, I have a new job. Pack the bags while I pray about it. We've already determined what we're going to do. Now, God wants us to know His voice. And we know His voice by walking with Him daily. When my wife calls up, I know her voice. When my children call, I I know their voice. I recognize them right away because we talk. We know each other. In the scripture it says, in the Psalms, mine eyes shall direct you. Have such a relationship with God that you know him, as it were, almost face to face. Have such a relationship to God that you'll know that still small voice and you'll be able to distinguish when he's saying something. It's that way with husbands and wives. You go out to a restaurant and your wife slips off to go to the restroom or something. You know what she's going to order, right? The other week, my wife and I were at the Olive Garden and uh, I'd placed my order and I didn't tell her this, but I knew what she was going to order. I knew what she wanted. And sure enough, she said it. Your spouse slips off, you know what drink that they like to drink. You, you, You spend time with them, you know them. It's that way with our Heavenly Father. When we spend time with Him, in the crisis, in the emergency, 
We won't be suddenly, frantically pounding on the door of heaven. Show me thy will. Show me thy will. Huh. We'll know. Not that you don't have to go to God in prayer, but we'll know. Now, God's will is modeled for us in heaven. You talk about a perfect labor force. It's those angels. They're an employer's dream. They never strike, never want higher wages, never complain, always go the extra mile, whatever said they've done. I mean, they're a dream team. God is saying, let my church be a, a dream team. Let my will be done on earth as it is in heaven. As the angels immediately, completely, fully follow out my instructions, so that should be the way we live. Yes, Father, I'll do it. Yes, Father, is that what you want? Is that what your word says? I'll do it. Our greatest model is our Lord Jesus Christ. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 7, it reads, Then I said, Here am I. It's written about me in the scroll, I have come to do your will. In John 6.38 it reads, For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but the will of him that sent me. Jesus lived and drew strength from doing the will of God. What gives you energy? Things you like to do, right? Things that you're good at. Jesus was a master at surrendering his will to the Father. He said, I came not to do my will, but the Father's will. He said in John chapter 4, my very food is to do the will of him that sent me. That's my food, to do his will. That's my sustenance. That's what gives me energy. What gives you energy? What gives you strength? What gives you that lift? Doing the will of God. That's what it should be. What would a man come down from heaven look like who would do God's will perfectly? That's Jesus. Uh, some of you, I know what you're thinking. Pastor, I don't know if I want to do God's will. It's because your theology is wrong. His will is good for you. He said, if I do his will, he'll send me off to Swaziland in Africa and I'll be a missionary. If I do his will, I'll join Steve Ford in the Amazon. God knows where you fit best in the kingdom of God. God's not a fatalist. He's not trying to get you something to do that you don't want to do, something that's going to hurt you. No, he's going to ask you to do something that you were made for. He's going to ask you to do something that he created you to do from the very beginning of time. And your contribution to the human race will be an incredible contribution. It will be an contribution that will impact untold hundreds and hundreds of souls. I brought this article. I want to read to you a, a paragraph that it opens up with. Let's call him Hank. He had attended church since he was a boy. And now he was in his 60s. He was known by everyone, but no one really knew him. He had difficulty loving his wife. His children could not speak freely with him and felt no affection from him. He was not concerned for the poor. 
had little tolerance for those outside the church, and tended to judge harshly those who were inside. One day an elder in the church asked him, Hank, are you happy? Without smiling, he responded, yes. Well then, replied the elder, tell your face. (laughs) Hank's outside demeanor mirrored a deeper and much more tragic reality. Hank was not changing. He was not being transformed. But here's what is most remarkable. Nobody in the church was surprised by this. No one called an emergency meeting of the Board of Elders to consider the strange case of a person who wasn't changing. No one really expected Hank to change. So no one was surprised when it didn't happen. When your will reigns, no change happens on the inside. It's only as we surrender our will to God, we grow to the measure that we submit. In many of our Methodist churches, in the new year, the first Sunday of the year, they pray a prayer that John Wesley composed many years before. And I'd like to read you that prayer. I am no longer my own, but yours. Put me to what you will, rank me with whom you will. Put me to doing, put me to suffering. Let me be employed for you or laid aside for you, exalted for you or brought low for you. Let me be full, let me be empty, let me have all things, let me have nothing. I freely and wholeheartedly yield all things to your pleasure and disposal. John Wesley. Not my will, but thy will be done, Lord. In that last day where said that Jesus said in John chapter 7, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. God's will is not an option. He taught us it should be our priority in prayer. It will be painful at times when in that prayer closet you have to die so that he could live through you. But it will be fruitful and it will be helpful. Thy will be done. Brother, Sister, I don't preach as someone who's attained, but I preach as someone who is still on the journey. Our will is the hardest thing to crucify. But if we are going to be true followers of Jesus Christ, and if our prayer is going to be effective, we must pray the way Jesus told us to pray. I think sometimes we sort of shoot our prayers up to heaven hoping that they'll stay there Jesus told us how we are to pray and if we pray this way from the very depths of our hearts we're praying according to the will of God and he'll hear that prayer 
The Lord's Prayer is a prayer in the Bible that is known the worldwide. There is so much truth contained in this example of how we're to pray. From hallowing the name of the Lord to delivering us from the evil one. Each day, Pastor Ed will share with us what each piece of this prayer means and how it applies to our lives today. Thanks for joining us today. You've been listening to Voice of Faith, the radio ministry of Dr. Edward Jones of Faith Assembly in Poughkeepsie, New York. Now, we want to encourage you to log on to voiceoffaithradio.com and spend some time getting to know us. To stay current with what's being broadcasted here on Voice of Faith, subscribe to our Twitter feed at VOF Radio. Again, to follow the Voice of Faith Twitter feed or to access the archive of messages, log on to voiceoffaithradio.com. Or if you'd like, you can always give us a call. Our phone number is 845-462-5955. That's 845-462-5955. Well, that's all the time we have for today. In the next edition of Voice of Faith, Pastor Ed will continue sharing messages from this series entitled The Lord's Prayer, taught from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 11. So be sure to join us. Until then, may God richly bless you.